that I was going to move to New York City. I was going to be the next Don Draper <laughs> or Darren Stevens. I wanted to be an advertising guru or Donnie Deutsch. Interesting that the, that these three models were men because I never looked at my gender as a hindrance or, or in any way different. Armed with microphone and a recorder, this is Maidcast, a show about idealists, movers, shakers, and creators and how they turned a dream into a tangible reality of success. I'm Marie Daniels, and today on the show, how one California girl took on New York and went from high-powered ad exec to dream-come-true restaurateur, with not one, but two renowned restaurants focusing on the underexplored Filipino cuisine. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Maidcast, and I have a very special guest today. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Nicole Ponseca, who is the um, owner of two really amazing restaurants that you've probably heard of, Maharlika and Jeepney in New York City. She is from San Diego, which is something I did not know until recently, so we're really excited because she's a hometown girl. So thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, of course. Hey. So give me a little idea as to um, your history and your background. Uh, well, I am a Filipino-American. My uh-huh. dad is Cabiteño, and my mother is from um, La Union. She's Ilocano. Uh-huh. And uh, I grew up here in San Diego, in Escondido. I went to RB High. Um, so I'm a real San Diego wow. girl. Although some people would argue if North County is really <laughs> San Diego, I've, I've learned. But... Uh, yeah, I grew up here. I, I walked uh, the beaches, hung out in the coffee shops, and it, it's good to be back. But um, what most people know me for are my two restaurants, mm-hmm. Maharlika and Jeepney. Maharlika was my first baby. Uh, Jeepney was the second. But what a lot of people don't know is that um, Maharlika was one of the first pop-ups ever, uh, not just only for Filipino food, but really in the genre of pop-ups. Uh, we didn't have any money. I was tired of trying <laughs> to find an investor. No uh-huh. one would... Uh, either believe in a, a female entrepreneur, Filipino food as a concept, because uh, had no one had seen a proof of concept yet. It was very risky. Nine out of ten restaurants fail in New York City. So uh, we started as a pop-up. And in fact, our early marketing materials all said limited engagements uh-huh. because the word pop-up had not had not grown into our ether yet. Uh-huh. I think it was either New York Magazine uh, said, hey, there's a restaurant that's a limited engagement and it's popping up. So the word ah, okay. became pop-up. So it was right at the beginnings of yeah. when that was kind of becoming a concept yeah. for us. Uh, Jeepney opened a year later, which was insane. We had no plans of opening Jeepney. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of like an accidental pregnancy, like wonderful blessing, <laughs> but surprise. <laughs> there's a whole story, but... What I will tell you is that Maharlika, we opened with $10,000, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeepney, we opened with 80000 Now, the wow. average restaurant in, in New York City costs around 500000 at least. So we really Quite opened... A yeah. We really opened with um, a wing and a prayer, mm-hmm. and six years later, we, we're, we're still here. Wow. I love that. Um, all right. So... I want to talk to you about some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you encountered when trying to open your business. Sure. Uh, one of the first challenges is the, the mental game, the preparation of uh, pursuing your dream mm-hmm. and not letting day-to-day obstacles. And I'm talking about lugging your subway <laughs> on the train or just mustering up the energy when you've worked so many hours to continue to pursue your dream 
and my mother always used to tell me little drops of water make a big lake. Now, what I interpret that is even if I worked on my project half an hour a day, an hour a day, it meant that it would accumulate at the end yeah. of the week towards something, whether or not that was a creative brief. Uh, so it was the mental challenge. Sometimes because it took me so long to open, uh, people would chide me and say, oh, yeah, Nicole, when are you going to open your restaurant? Right. 2000." you know, 12. So little, they weren't your yeah. champions. No, they weren't. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, challenges of people saying no one's going to like Filipino food, no one will pay for it. Uh, I had to look at those challenges and answer them. Right. It doesn't help to uh, turn your eye to them. Investigate it. Ask yourself why. Do market research. Why, why are those answers out there? And more or less, it will create a concept for you that hopefully is... Um, resilient. Now, was this a dream you had always had? I mean, because mm -hmm. I know you had a life prior to sure. going into the restaurant. I looked at what they were doing. I was invigorated by advertising campaigns and everything. So when I left USF, mm -hmm. I moved to New York. I had $75 in my pocket, no wow. friends, no job, no place to live. And there was no internet. I didn't have a cell phone. This was the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> so when A I, lot of people can't even imagine. Yeah, so imagine now... Um, trying to uh, move your way through New York City, this this cavalcade, this maze of people, personalities, so different jams, from San Diego. So different than San Diego. Mm -hmm. It is it is a, a clean matrix uh -huh. of streets, but behind every street, there's a new story or a challenge. So when I moved to New York, I had nothing. I had a one way ticket. Mm -hmm. I moved. Um, I graduated on May, like May twenty third, and I wound up in New York on June first. Had you visited before? No. and knew that this. No, was I no. no. I I knew nothing. Wow. I knew nothing of New York. So City. you're an adventurer. Um, <laughs> uh, ignorant <laughs> adventure. No, but I do. It's the same mm -hmm. thing with my travels in the Philippines, uh -huh. um, studying the food. But I knew I wanted to be in advertising. So I gave myself 14 days. And on the 14th day, my offers came through. Wow. Um, but along the way, I, I stayed in a Filipino convent mm -hmm. in Harlem, which was uh, a different Harlem then. Uh, I stayed in an Econo Lodge off of Newark, which would be the equivalent of the Bates Motel. Oh, <laughs> like, no. It was uh, the kind of uh, hotel where you wouldn't want to look underneath the mattress. Okay. Or if you saw a hair, you would question whether or not that was yours. <laughs> and uh, you would keep everything, your socks, everything on. You didn't <laughs> want to touch anything. So uh, that was scary. And I didn't want my parents to know mm -hmm. where I was staying. I mean, I grew up really in this square, quaint area of Rancho Bernardo where mm -hmm. everything's manicured. So right. it was an eye-opening experience, but I had already envisioned my experience prior to getting there. So I did my research. I used the Dewey Decimal System to look up <laughs> books on, on New York. Uh, it, was, it was very different then, and I wouldn't have changed it for anything. I loved my experience, and I loved particularly that point in time in New York City. It was... Uh, you know, around the dot-com, pre-dot-com bust. Okay. It was, downtown was still downtown. You could almost feel the remnants of Basquiat and Keith cool. Haring. And, and it was, there was a grit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think I am... Were you surprised at all mm -hmm. when you got there? Or did None. it match exactly what you had already planned for? It, it was exactly how I imagined. The mm -hmm. grit, the graffiti, the mm -hmm. dirt, the grime. Uh -huh. And I was in my Ann Taylor <laughs> and, and my Banana Republic yep. chinos. <laughs> Uh, I, I hadn't had any 
you know, it's debatable whether or not I have any swag now, but I didn't have any for sure then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I felt right at home. I I knew San Diego was in my heart, Mm -hmm. in my soul. I have the values of a San Diegan, but I knew that I had something to accomplish that wasn't going to be able to be done in in this city. I also felt uh, as a person of color, I don't think I could have put words onto it. And this city, you know, there's such a predominant amount of Filipinos right. and Mexicans. And it's very, for me, I felt very POC friendly. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I never felt my ethnicity. Right. I never felt different. And I would either walk into a Wells Fargo or a Vons or what have you. And I just felt part of my community. Mm-hmm. It felt very different in, in New York City. Um, I was aware of my ethnicity, but I could also be more type A, a little bit louder, a little uh-huh. bit more ambitious, a little bit more brash. And that n- did not necessarily fit being a Bronco at RV High. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had envisioned it. And I, I would watch everything from Woody Allen, Manhattan to Coco on Fame, uh-huh. you know, these these relics of the 80s, and I had already envisioned myself walking the streets of of New York. So do you feel like just taking that leap and going Mm -hmm. to New York then kind of gave you a little freedom to push yourself into that (laughs) sort of more aggressive mindset? Yeah, uh, aggressiveness can um, be mislabeled Mm -hmm. because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm still a Pinai. I'm Mm -hmm. still a Pinai American, so um, I am aggressive with my dreams, but Make no mistake, people <laughs> knew I was from California. <laughs> to this day, people in the subway, on in the cab, in an elevator, or even at my nearby bodega, mm-hmm. they'll be like, you're not a New Yorker. I'm like, no, why? Can I get avocado on that? They're like, oh my God, no, I'm joking about the avocado. But, but my smile and my... California attitude, my Filipino upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's very, it, it, it stands out, so... So as a female with a dream to be in the, the advertising business, mm-hmm. that changed. Yes. How did that change? Because I do know a little bit about your history. You did start from the bottom up very literally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in both worlds. So um, while I did get my start in advertising mm-hmm. and a full career in advertising and production, something happened along the way. And, mm-hmm. and in the late 90s, early 2000s, I had an expense account. Mm-hmm. It was the pre-dot-com <laughs> bust. Mm-hmm. I was the bunso of the office, right. the youngest. And people would inevitably ask, where should I bring the clients? Where should we go for dinner? And I was going out. I was dating. <laughs> that was another thing. I didn't date in San Francisco. <laughs> like, I didn't you know, go to... I didn't have any You had of that. a whole different life in New York. But when I went to New York, all of a sudden, like... A bubble butt, bubble, bubble, <laughs> bubble, bubble butt, like, and, and dark skin, and, and I just, it was, it was such a completely different experience. You were anomaly yeah. at that point. And, and, and I just started dating, and mm-hmm. we were going out to restaurants, so I, I loved it. Uh-huh. And they would ask for Thai food, like, where should we go for Thai food recommendations? Because uh-huh. at that moment in time, Thai food was just starting. Mm-hmm. And so I would be like, oh my God, I'm not Thai, you know? And, and they're like, Is that a you? daily question? Yeah, well, you know, inevitably it would be like, where should we go? You must right. know great Thai restaurant and I would say no well what are you I'm I'm Filipino uh-huh. oh so where should we go and uh-huh. that then was the uh, moment okay a repetitive asking of what to try for Filipino food and yes there are mom and pop similar to the Tita's Kitchenette mm-hmm. and the uh, Villa Manila you right. know things that are like 
for our families, mm-hmm. that we get a taste of home that is affordable, all mm-hmm. of these things. Similar in New York, it would be the equivalent of like National City and Chula Vista is like Queens and right. New Jersey, uh, uh, Jersey City. So wonderful options, but not necessarily in the city proper and not necessarily a place where I could bring clients, spend corporate money, mm-hmm. have a cocktail, have great service and have you know, authentic Filipino food, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is hard. With which is Philippines hard. Philippines being such a diverse yes. place. Yeah. <laughs> 7,000 islands. Yeah. 7,000 adobos. <laughs> right. right. For that. Times two. So I realized then uh, that Filipino food was missing. Mm-hmm. And I would travel around the United States then at that point, whenever I could. I would uh, go to Philadelphia. Um, Chicago, there was a restaurant called Rambutan in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. There was a place called Cebu, certainly Cendrillon in Manhattan right. at that time. And I was like, what's missing here for me? Mm-hmm. I, I can't speak for anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm only an expert on myself and what I would want to see. And that there was missing. Right. So I figured, okay, well, if no one's doing it, then why not me? Aha, uh-huh. but restaurants, 90% failure rate. Um, no one had seen a Filipino food concept translated in the way that I had foreseen. Mm-hmm. So I moonlighted for 12 years. Wow, that's a long time to moonlight. Yeah, that's why I had mentioned earlier, it will take me a while. I'll have a vision mm-hmm. and I'll have an idea, but I really want to do it right. Even if I don't have any money, mm-hmm. do it to the best of my resources and make educated decisions. So uh, I moonlighted for 12 years. I kept going up the ladder in corporate America. So I was, I wound up leaving as a vice president of um, new business mm-hmm. and production for uh, Michelle Gondry's company. Okay. Um, who's an Oscar award-winning director. Um, but at night, no one knew that I had started dishwashing, hosting, wow. managing, bartending, uh, waitressing, everything that I could, busing, that I could so I could learn this business. I was petrified of... Um, alcohol, you know, and mm-hmm. um, people ODing. I was mm-hmm. so naive, you yeah. know, but I also didn't want to be beholden to someone saying I'm calling out sick, or, right. you know, I'm hungover. I, yeah. I could at any point say, well, I can bartend. I, I didn't want to feel helpless. Yeah. So, yeah, so I moonlighted for, for 12 years. And so did any of your coworkers kind of know what you were doing Good on question. the side? Um, <laughs> my, no, my day people, uh-huh. my ad execs, no, did not know, and then at night, no one knew that I was a corporate person. I mean, yeah, you could, you know, put your wig on, <laughs> curl it, uh-huh. um, put, put some lipstick and eyelashes and, and an Ann Taylor suit, and you're ready for work, and at night, I put it in a bun, take off the makeup, and mm-hmm. I'm like, bruja, you know, like, <laughs> welfana, like, yeah. what, what's up? Because uh, I also just didn't want to be, I, I kind of wanted to disappear. Mm-hmm. I didn't I just didn't want to be looked at to yeah. just just work mm-hmm. and be able to focus. Yeah. Well, the restaurant business is a tough business too. It makes it very difficult to. It you're out late, and people the the restaurant industry once you get off of work it's late yeah, at well, night and plus it keeps going. So yeah. did you kind of refrain from that whole industry after work? I'm thing? not a big drinker. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only recently found out the benefits of, like, weed, mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> Luckily, you're from California. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I had, I had no, I'm such a square. Mm-hmm. I, I remember my first drink in 
uh, college was with my best friend Reagan, and we poured a little bit of Bailey's in a in the <laughs> cap, and we were like, "Oh my god, I'm so drunk!" Like really embarrassing. So uh, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a drinker, and so it, it, if I went out, it would be for camaraderie. Mm-hmm. But I'm cool to go home, also because I had to be at my day job the next day. Uh, I like having fun at work. I feel like I at that time I could have camaraderie and jokes yeah. and learn about people that way during downtime. Yeah. Uh, but along the way, there were issues that came up uh, because restaurants is such a social atmosphere, mm-hmm. because the normal mores of um, professionalism were out the window. Even sometimes... They really are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're dealing with alcohol. You're mm-hmm. dealing with food. You're dealing with entertaining. Mm-hmm. And we are here to facilitate your good time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes lines were crossed. Now, I, I, I tend to be a little bit more buttoned up, I'd say, than the average uh, Joanna. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I definitely had my share of sexual harassment mm-hmm. or issues that I had to deal with as a female in this business because it is male-dominated. Yep. And uh, one, of, one of the major things that I had to deal with was um, a chef who was just... Mm, I watch Mel's Diner. Yes. Okay, or Alice, <laughs> yes. or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, so a little bit ornery, mm-hmm. um, rhymes with horny. <laughs> uh, and I remember printing out the menu on my first day, and the, the printer was jammed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's up? So I pulled the drawer, you know, to unclog the, the jam, and uh, there were a series of photos of a porn actress named Tara Patrick, Okay. Who's an Asian porn star. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, she's tan, whatnot. And I was mortified because it was targeted toward me because no one else would use that printer at that time but me. Got it. So and it was... And there's no one else that looks like me. There's, like, a Haitian <laughs> girl and, and me and, like, everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was mortified. It was my first instance of that. I didn't... I'm not a... I'm not too sensitive about things, mm-hmm. but that to me felt like a, a jab. Right. They 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 did it on purpose. You mm-hmm. had to tear those photos out. <laughs> you had to think. Let me put mm-hmm. it in the printer drawer. Right. Time it so that it would come when I was printing. Right. On my first day of work. So is this hazing? Mm-hmm. Is or is this a come on? Uh, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of... Well, and that's a completely different environment than your day job. Where oh, yeah. the professionalism is is, is pretty staunch. Yeah. Oh, I'm, in, in day, <laughs> I'm, I'm dealing with strategic briefs. And um, although, no, I had to deal with sexual harassment. Now that I, This is the first time I remember, I've remembered this story. But I was a young ad exec, mm-hmm. and a media planner took me out. We, I just thought we were going to go around the corner, grab something to eat. And I remember him uh, pushing me against uh, an alleyway wow. in New York City and uh, yeah and uh, proceeded to try to kiss me with uh, a French flair <laughs> so he just felt like he you were young you were a young adexef and he could have his way yeah and I would walk into his office all the time and see photos of his wife and his kids mm-hmm. and you know talk about media planning and oh your your child is so lovely you know so mm-hmm. I felt like there was a respect or rapport. I didn't know that being open or friendly was an invitation to right. to do any of that. And that's the part I talk about being a San Diegan mm-hmm. and um, being a Filipino. I don't ever want to lose this. Yeah. 
this sense of openness. Yes. And over time, New York has the way of wanting to take that away from you. And even though I've had these instances with the sexual harassment, you know, now that I recall that mm-hmm. one, um, I'm a survivor. I'm a warrior mm-hmm. in that way. But I'm, but I'm, I'm still me. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think I've changed that much. Now, what would you tell your twenty-year-old <laughs> self as far as advice for, uh, you know, for their future? Um, I have very little regrets in terms of my my dreams, and and I. I'm happy the way I went about it. Mm-hmm. What I would like to have known are are, um, are the following: mm-hmm. that my bosses, really good bosses, don't want you to be a sycophant. Mm-hmm. They don't want you just to say yes. They don't want you just to nod your head and be like, "Okay, ma'am, sir," mm-hmm. for the Filipinos out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really good bosses they've hired you for a reason. And they want you to, to stand up a bit taller. They want to hear your opinions. You can do it respectfully. They're not necessarily going to um, agree with you. Mm-hmm. But I know as a boss now, and I, and I want to impart this to the youngins out there, like, you have an opinion. You went to school. Use it. Now, you might be using that to sharpen <laughs> pencils. Right. But that doesn't mean I have an opinion that we need a better sh- pencil sharpener. <laughs> or what, because it, those little kind of decisions, those acts of kindness to yourself about your intelligence, they wind up building your self-esteem. That mm-hmm. one day you're not just talking about whether or not the pencil sharpener was good, talking about whether or not the budget. And you can, you're practicing right. self-awareness, you're practicing eloquence and opinions and how to work with people. And oftentimes I find Asians in particular and specifically Filipino-Americans mm-hmm. Um, we are raised with tiger moms. Mm-hmm. We're raised with really strong panais to get strong grades and pursue excellence. But no one necessarily is teaching us how to win the C-suite. Right. So we have very few Asians who are senior level chief executives. Uh, and it goes back to what I'm saying before. Have an opinion. Use your education. You can be aggressive and still kind. Mm-hmm. Work your network. Work work your room. Work with your bosses. You are hired for a reason. And uh, I treat every job when I was younger as if I owned it, as if I owned the business. And that's that's a tough thing. To, that's a tough skill to find now is having, uh, having people that come into your workplace and, and want to take ownership of their piece of the big the big picture well, i find they're scared okay. they no one is given they're looking for permission uh-huh. no one is going to give you a permission to have an opinion if you are looking for that there's no line <laughs> there's only a, a line for the employment right you know um yeah so have an opinion mm-hmm. learn how to express it and one thing i find there's this um latent attitude mm-hmm wherein once you're in a job and there are problems Mm -hmm. that there's an opinion like oh there's too many problems here or you know my you know it's hard to do xyz no one called it vacation (laughs) it is it is work for Uh a reason and if i didn't need you here to actually solve a problem Mm -hmm. then what are you doing here i'm not paying you to stand up and make sure the seat is warm Mm -hmm. there are issues to be dealt with there are problems and solutions to be found so yeah I would hope that you continue to find problems (laughs) and solve them not only that that's a career security you know right you've got to be needed yeah exactly (laughs) now you've got the two restaurants Mm -hmm. I know you travel a lot and I know you have a new project on the horizon yes 
You want to tell us about that project? Yeah, so we have signed with Artisan Books. Mm-hmm. I haven't really made a lot of um, fanfare about it. I haven't really, really talked about it. I've just been kind of quietly doing my research and figuring out the structure of the book. But I'm so excited that we signed with uh, Artisan. And Artisan is one of the top publishers, I think. Uh-huh. Um, Thomas Keller is signed with them, as well as other fantastic chefs. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas Keller owns Per Se and right. um, French Laundry. Mm-hmm. I mean... What a dream. This is um, one of the first um, Filipino cookbooks. I, I won't say what the figure is, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, uh, it's a hearty figure. And that doesn't mean it goes in my pocket. Right. Um, <laughs> There's what, a lot of marketing that goes behind yeah, cookbooks, too. <laughs> and the execution of that therein. But what it does mean is that there was a publisher mm-hmm. out there. After many had closed the doors and said, Filipino food doesn't have a market, right. no one's going to buy it. These, I was already pre-trained for this mm-hmm. when I opened the restaurant. Right. So... Um, uh, I'm excited that we're on this caliber of a roster of, mm-hmm. of uh, publishing. So, do you have an ETA? Mm, yeah, it's coming out fall 2018. Okay. Um, my manuscript is due very <laughs> shortly, <laughs> and it's been a wild ride. I spent three months in the Philippines just this recent winter. Wonderful. Um, we traveled everywhere from Isabella, which is east of the Sierra Madre or okay. the Cordilleras, okay, and then went north to Bukudbud all the way around and zigzagged all wow. all the way through. Every, I've been to almost every pocket of the Philippines, wow. including um, Zamboanga, Davao, Cagayan de Oro. So I've I've I think I've been to more Philip for Philippine destinations mm-hmm. than than even Filipinos who are born and raised. For sure, yeah. And it's been eye opening. I, I see our country and our Kababayans in a way different light. I see our food very differently, um, and I hope you'll you'll read about it in the book. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I'm so excited for you. Um, I'm you. also very excited to pick your brain about my trip when I go. So yes, I'm gonna please. have to get some some tips now. You've got so much going on with all of these. So what is it that you do to make sure you don't hit overwhelm? I mean, as an executive or your own giant brand, right. I need to know. I mean, how do you keep yourself sane? Um, <laughs> a lot of self-help. <laughs> my, my guilty, it's not even guilty, my, one of the wonderful pleasures that I get is from listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm <laughs> such a fan of podcasts mm-hmm. and um, my go-tos are how, how, to, how I built this, mm-hmm. which I picked up from um, my business partner, um, Lee J. Razzla, and uh-huh. he told me to, to listen to this wonderful podcast and I'm hooked. Oh, great. We'll put that in the links for everybody. Yeah. The, the one that I listened to most recently was Jan Wenner of Rolling Stone. Okay. And it just goes to show no one's, there's no one different. He's no different than, than anyone. He just said, I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. That's oftentimes the, the, the greatest separation. And um, here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I mean, he could be talking just about, like, shoe sizes uh-huh. and shoelaces. He's yeah. such an entertainer. He is. He's he, such he, an entertainer. He owns it. And he, the one that I listened to recently was Alec Baldwin in the hot seat. And you get to hear him as the um, interviewee, uh-huh. which was... Uh, God damn that voice. God. He does have that thing about him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's naughty. He's great. (laughs) It is. It is. I love him. (laughs) All right, so that's what you do when you're when you're roaming around. Do you have any type types of daily rituals that you have to do before you go to work or rituals every week that you must do? So I get up pretty early. I get up um, around five thirty or um, six. Mm -hmm. I try to meditate um, Mm -hmm. for about twenty minutes. That could be anything from sitting down and looking out the window mm-hmm. and just feeling 
um, calm, about 20 minutes, or it could be just like lying in bed before I really get up, but I'm fully conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, my mentor is Lloyd Lewis. Okay. Um, she is an amazing woman, um, philanthropist and businesswoman. I highly encourage your listeners to listen to Lloyd Lewis or look her up and her late husband, Reginald Lewis, whose book was um, uh, Why Do White Guys Have to Have All the Fun? And he, wow. was, he was a corporate, <laughs> a big corporate guy. He mm-hmm. had um, different leverage buyouts that he did. I think he failed at three, and I think uh, the fourth one was the one that hit. His amazing, amazing story, and their family is wonderful. And she's been a great mentor. So I also recommend that to the Fantastic. To people as mentors. But um, spend twenty minutes meditating, and then uh, coffee, read the news, and I have to have Charlie Rose on in the background. <laughs> I, I love Charlie, so it was great. Fantastic. All right. So, Nicole, as we wrap up, I just want to know, so what do you think is the one thing that you really want people to go away from or go away with when they leave one of your restaurants? I, you know, I want people to feel like they left in a positive experience. And I love the quote that people often forget what you say mm-hmm. or uh, what you do, but people will never forget how you make them feel. Uh-huh. And, you know... I think that we've accomplished that. Like, people come back with their parents or on dates, or I have so many kids that were born out of dates that came <laughs> from these restaurants, or married couples that come back, they had their first date often, Aww. a lot of them. And, you know, it's it's not a fancy restaurant. They're mm-hmm. very humble. We opened one with all hand-me-downs, but mm-hmm. I think we've struck a chord in, I think, I think I'm proud that we've made some contribution to the Filipino-American experience. Well, fantastic. Well, I really can't wait for your cookbook to come out, and I'm so happy you had some time today. I know you're on your way back this afternoon, but thank you so much for joining us in San Diego. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right.